And we ask that you would do something good within us, Lord, that you would do something uh, life-changing, that you would do something that we would leave here differently than when we arrived. So we give you permission to work in the hard parts of our heart, Lord, that you would dig up, make it good soil for your word to fall upon. In Jesus' name, amen. Hmm. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I'm excited. Uh, we're continuing on in our through the life of Abraham and just talking about how God uh, wants to, all these answers, uh, questions that we have, real questions, real problems in our life. He wants to give us real life solutions through the Word of God. And so uh, we um, are continuing on last week. Pastor Mark gave a, a great message on the call of Abraham, how God loves Abraham, this one man. Picks him out. Although he's worshiping other gods and he calls him. And he um, has a plan for his life. And Abraham chooses to obey God. And the good that comes out of that. He was sent on an awesome rescue mission. How many of you have seen the movie The 33? Anybody here? It was in the movies for a little All right, Julio. That's right. Talking about the story of the... Okay, raise your hand if you heard of the story of the 33 Chilean miners that were trapped. I think this was 2010. Yeah, it was international news. Well, a movie was made about it. I'm going to show you the clip this morning. This is the 33. In the mountain's internal structure... She's an old mine. It's my job to keep this man safe. Serious accident just occurred at the San Jose mine. Say something, I'm giving up on you. That's a big rock. That's not a rock. That's the heart of the mountain. She finally broke. And I... 33 men trapped underground. And we don't even know if they're alive. We all know how this goes. The government tells us how much they care. And they do nothing. It was over my head. How long do they have? There's food and water for three days. I knew this place was dangerous. Nobody's blaming you! You are my brother. We gotta pull together to get out of here. Three platforms are now in place specialized in deep drilling. See that weak pattern? A huge rock twice the size of the Empire State Building shifted. We're running out of time. It's not a question of if it falls, but when. I'm not leaving without him. If that is our last supper, I quit! <laughs> last thing we need is these men dying with the whole world watching. 33 men on the ground. 300 mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, and we are their only hope. Let's get ourselves some miners. I believe we'll make it out of here because, because I choose to believe it. Oh, 33 of us. Say something. See you, old man. Out there. Awesome. So go check out the movie. I think some people would rather watch the movie than hear me preach. It looks pretty good, doesn't it? So it's an awesome movie talking about the amazing rescue operation 
that they undertook to save these 33 Chilean miners. And the good news is all 33 of them were saved. It's a, really a miraculous story. And today I'd like to share about how God wants us to participate in His amazing rescue plan to save the world, starting with one man by the name of Abraham. Well, going back a few chapters in the book of Genesis, uh, from chapter 13 all the way back to chapter 11, we're looking at the Tower of Babel. God had scattered humans all around the world, confused their language, languages, they were at this point not God worshippers. They were rebelling from God and doing their own thing. And the problem of sin consumed the entire earth again. And you're thinking, if you were God, here we go again. Didn't the flood just happen? I just had to uh, destroy them. We started over with one man and his family, Noah and his family, and here we are again. It's happening all over again. And these kind of things just keep on happening. These stories, same thing. God, you know, in his love and mercy and patience for us, he doesn't destroy the earth by the flood. Remember, he said he never would. So what would be God's solution to gather his creation back to himself? To bring men and women back into relationship with him? Well, the Lord wouldn't do it by a flood. He would start with one man. His plan, rescue plan started with the man. His name was Abraham. Abraham was called to leave his country. If you remember that. His people. His father's household. And go to a land that he would show him. God didn't even tell him where he was going to go. He just said, go to a land where I'm going to show you to go. And good old Abe obeyed God and went. Genesis Chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bible, you can start there. The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be a blessing through you. So what did God's rescue plan look like? Number one, you can write it in your notes if you have a bulletin. And maybe if you don't have a bulletin, uh, we'll go ahead and get you one. You can raise your hand if you need a pen. God's rescue mission started with one man. God's rescue mission started with one man. His name was Abram. Abram, what does that mean? And God, in the Bible, names are very important. Started with one noble father, like a noble father. It's a noble man, noble father. But later, God would change his name to, of course, Abraham. What does Abraham mean? Abraham means father of many nations. Father of many nations. So from one man, Abram, to the father of many nations. So Abram, when he was called by God, he was just a simple, regular, everyday Joe. He was not any more special than you and I. He was just one guy who God chose to begin his rescue plan. This huge undertaking, this mission to save the world. And so, Abraham was called and his wife Sarai, which means princess. It's pretty cool, right? Princess, like royalty, this 
princess and Abraham left, and his nephew Lot went with him. And together they took all their possessions they had. They took all the people they had in their family, and they left for the land of Canaan. Well, everything was going according to their plan when inconveniently a famine struck. Genesis chapter 12. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. So when there's a famine, where do you go? You go to where there's food, right? So they headed down to Egypt because the Nile River is very fertile crops and uh, food there, food sources. So they headed down to Egypt. And the story continues. Abram and his family returned from Egypt. And now Abram is a very wealthy man. Chapter 13, verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot went with him, his nephew. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went, to, he went from the place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. It was there where he was worshiping God publicly. So everything was going great. Worshiping God, he's got his family with him. He's doing what he thinks God is telling him to do. Verse 5, this happens. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites, Perizzites, were also living in the land at that time. So Abe's family, Lot's family, got into a quarrel. What were they quarreling about? About the land. Their possessions were too big. Their families were too wealthy. They couldn't hold, the land couldn't hold all that they had. So naturally you're going to have some fights, some arguments. Hey, your sheep are in my spot. Hey, my cow's over there. What are you doing? You know, they're taking up too much space. Did you know your shepherd boy did? You know, all of that stuff. Abe was having family troubles, as we know all too well. So first we see a famine in Egypt. Next we see a family fight with his nephew Lot. And we're thinking, what happened to this guy? It was just a little while ago. Didn't God make him a promise that he would be a blessed? He would be blessed to be a blessing to the whole world, to all the nations of the world. We're thinking, what happened? God was working on Abraham's character during this time through trials and hardship. Point number two, you can write in your notes. God's rescue mission involves the building of our character. God's rescue mission involves the building of our character. We're all going to go through trials, disappointments, hardships in life. Jesus said it himself. He said, in this world, you will have trials. You will have hardships. But take heart because I have overcome the world. So hardship might look like famine. It might look like family fights. It might look like financial difficulties. 
But whatever you're going through, God is allowing it. God is allowing you to go through it, and he promises to be with you through it. And in the process, he's going to build your character and give you a hope for the future, give you a testimony. And we saw that so well, what's going on with our testimony at Easter, how God had brought that Scott Gardner and company. Wasn't that awesome through all of those hardships? Loretta, who was actually on drugs at the company and her boss, Scott, says, excuse me, Loretta, oh, you seem different. I know that seems something's wrong. And she said, yeah, I've been suffering with some substance abuse problems. And, you know, they told her, well, Loretta, you can't work here, but what we're going to do is let you go and we're going to help you in the meantime. We're going to pay your rent and we're going to pay for you to go to drug rehab. And if you can successfully complete it, we'd love to hire you back. And in the midst of that, God just worked on her. God worked on her. And now she's back. And that wasn't that an amazing testimony to see that? A story of grace. But a story of what God is doing in the midst of these trials she's going through. And now I have a, like a little cubicle at, at the office there. So a few days a week I'll stop by and I'll just you know sit in... Uh, my little cubicle, they call me Office Max. And, hey, Office Max, hi, how are you? And I have a little prayer box there. People put in prayer requests. And we just talk story. I walk around to the different cubicles. Hey, how you doing? Bug them from doing any work. And, you know, I bring donuts and just talk story. People have things they like to share, really some manini things, some real big things. And it's just a lot of fun uh, being sort of an office pastor to them. And to see Loretta now, when I'm over there, there's a lot of good workers there, but Loretta's in the top. She's right there near the top, and she's just going for it. She's so professional and so friendly, so much aloha when she shares on the phone. And I'm just loving, I just watch her sometimes and listen to her and think what God has brought her through. The character God developed in her during those times, could you imagine being away from your family, being at rehab, and just praying, God, do something within me. And God came through, and God did. Romans 5, verses 3 and 4 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Isn't that awesome? God is producing character within any trouble, within any trial that you're going through right now. What is that trial you're going through, church? Do you know God is doing something good in the midst of that right now? So Abram would go on to become Abraham, the father of many nations, and all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. But first, God would have to produce in him character, somebody that he could trust that he could rely upon. It was those trials under fire that would make him into the man God could trust. Well, check out Abraham's reaction to his nephew when they had a family dispute, right? Genesis chapter 13, verse 8. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, 
I'll go to the left. So Abram made a deal with his nephew Lot. He said, "What? you go one way and I'll go the other. And you know, sometimes when you're having a dispute, isn't it better just to go your separate ways? Okay, you go that way and I'll go this way. That was wisdom. God was blessing Abraham with wisdom. That was kindness. You know, Lot, was he promised any land by God? No, nothing. The land was promised to Abraham. But he said, you know what? You go one way. In fact, I'm going to give you first dibs on the land. You can choose which half, which part you want to take. This is Lot's reaction. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was watered well, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived in, among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So Lot chose to go towards the plains of the Jordan, which were fertile, which were probably a lot more lush and green. And just looking at it, you could just picture Lot. Uh, I like that way. I like that side. And I love how it was put there in the scripture. This was before the Lord, what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because if he was looking at it afterwards, it would be an ash heap. So he's looking at these fertile plains, right? This lush plain, and he says, I'll go that way. But Lot chose unwisely. Why was it an unwise decision? Because the men who were living there, the scripture says, were evil and wicked and sitting greatly against the Lord. Lot didn't consider that. That's not wisdom. You've got to take all of the things into consideration, not just how the land looks. He said, yeah, I want to go that way not taking into consideration all the other problems. And eventually these people, these problems would lead to the total destruction of that land that he chose, unwise. And God is contrasting the two decisions here, the two men, wise and unwise. And you know, I could think, I was thinking about Abraham and he's probably thinking, you know, at this time, God, he chose the better part. Maybe I shouldn't have given first dibs. Maybe I'm having second thoughts here, right? Maybe I shouldn't have given Lot anything. What was I doing? And although he wasn't 100% sure that he made the right decision, or even if he was supposed to be going in that direction at all towards Canaan, he learned enough that he could trust God. He learned enough. He, was, he had enough character to know that I can trust who God is. And number three, you can write in your notes, God's rescue mission can be trusted. God's rescue mission can be trusted and is based upon God's promises. Not your, fa- not your feelings. Not how things look from the outside. God's rescue mission to save the world can be trusted 
because it's based on God's promises. And you know, there's things in our lives, times in our lives, where things seem so out of control. Maybe you're going through one of those times right now. Maybe it's a super busy time for you at work or school. Maybe you don't even know which way is up, which way is down, and you've just barely got into church today. Maybe you're going through some financial difficulties. Maybe a family problem. Whatever it is, God wants you to know you can trust Him. You can remember His promises. Maybe there's something more serious that you're going through in your life right now. Maybe there's a sickness in your life. Maybe somebody recently has passed away. And it's in those times that you have to trust God most, where we can lean on God and His promises. You know, a lot of times we think we need to have our lives so under control and everything is so planned out now, right? But sometimes we realize we can't control it and things just happen. And we look and there's a devastating circumstance and we're thinking, what are we going to do? Where are we going? And I could picture Abraham having a lot of those thoughts. But he know, you know what? I'm just going to stick with God. Stick with what I know that God is good all the time. And you can trust God and his promises. You know, even Abraham needed some reassuring. Genesis 13, verse 14, goes on to say, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Hey, Abram, look around from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see I will give you, and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. It's a lot of dust, right? So that if anyone can count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. The Lord originally promised Abraham land. He promised him prosperity, family, generations to come, offspring. And he also promised he would bless Abraham to be a blessing. Here he's reminding him of two things. What is he reminding him him of? The promises. He's reminding him of the land and his offspring, his family to come. He's reassuring Abraham. He's saying, buddy, I got this. You can trust me. Remember my promises. In fact, you know what? Go, go walk through the land. It's your land. I'm giving it to you. Go check it out. Experience the land. He's reassuring Abraham of his promises, that he's faithful. And it's in those times God wants you to trust him and he wants you to go back into default mode where you can say, you know what? Yeah, I know this much about God. I have this much faith about God. He's going to do it. You know, recently, I've just been so, you know, in my spirit, a little bit sad because there's a tragedy that happened on Tuesday night. There was um, um, one of the employees that works at the Scott Gardner Company. Her name is Tamua. We call her Mua. She's the sweetest woman, and she has two sons. And her two sons played uh, for Farrington High School football. One's a junior, one's a senior. And on Tuesday night, I got a 
text at 12.30. I originally got at 11.30, but I was sleeping. And I woke up, you know, when you, are, you fall asleep earlier and you close up the house, turn off the lights, and I checked my phone. And it said, it was from Karen and Scott. They said, please pray for Tamua's son. Sons, they've been stabbed. They've been in a fight and they've been stabbed. And then the next text was, he just, one of the sons just passed away. And we're going to be at Queens, it said. And so I'm just like, you know, of course, you're just so devastated. And like, you're looking at, oh, God, what's going on? You know, Tamua had just brought her sons to our Easter service at Roosevelt High School. And her two daughters, they were up there and they're uh, in the top part. Their mom was sitting down in the front row as one of our VIPs. And, you know, it was just an awesome time. They were eating the, all the food, and they were just having a blast outside. And, you know, these were good boys. And so I'm thinking, oh, it's 12.30. Oh, I really, I don't feel like going to the hospital, to be honest. I feel like burying my head under a pillow. And then it was the Lord saying, just go. I'll give you the strength. Just go. And just kind of like, you know, the Abraham thing. Out of obedience, I know enough about God. He wants me to do this, so I'm just going to go. And I went down to the hospital. Scott and Karen had just been with the family and Mua, and they left. And I came. It was like the second shift to be with Mua. Well, I wasn't the only one there. It was like the whole Farrington High School football team. Okay? All of the, the friends and family were down there. And I'm looking for Mua. I'm looking for her. I just want to give her a hug and pray with her. And everybody's, you know, sad, devastated. And I see Mua. She's over there. And she's smiling. She's over there smiling, ta- hugging people, smiling. And I'm thinking, what is going on? So I walk over there and I hug her and I said, Mu, are you okay? I'm okay. God is good. God is good. We can trust God. And I'm thinking, what? And she had so much faith. She had so much faith. I hugged her and I I prayed for her a little and I just stayed with her for about an hour. And you know what? She was all good. How could somebody like that, going through that situation... Do that. She trusted God. In fact, the next few days she was talking story with her good friend, one of the other employees at the office, and she said, the friend reported back, she said, you know, like Mua, I'm totally, this is my, she said, my best friend, I know she's going to be just fine. In fact, she said, I don't want everybody to be sad. I'm not sad. I know Wes is in a better place. I know he's with Jesus. That's faith, right? She knew it confidently. And she said, I'm just thankful that God spared, because the other son got stabbed in the leg, that God spared one son, and I still have one son. Isn't that amazing? She reverted back to what she knew about God. His promises that God will never leave her, never forsake her, a promise there's a better place for us, a hope in heaven for all of us who believe. And you know, Mua, she was encouraging me she was blessing me and she was reminding me why this mission this rescue mission is so so important 
We don't know if somebody coming to our services is going to hear the gospel for the first time and maybe choose to believe. We don't know what's going to happen to them when they leave, like Mua's family. We don't know, if you don't know the people that you work with, how much longer you have with them to love on them, to pray for them, to believe that God put you there for a reason. That he not just wants you to be a good guy. And at the end of your life, you're going to say, I was a good guy to a lot of, a good person with a lot of people. I shared, you know, I was just generous. But you know what? I really cared that they knew the Lord. I, I really prayed for them. And you know what? Some of Jesus that's in me rubbed off onto them. I was able to pray for them in their hardest moments. Talk about the hard things of life. Talk about the important, eternal things. And you know, Mua reminded me of, of a lot of that. We are on this important, important rescue mission. So God shows us in the book of Genesis, everything's going away from him, right? Scattered, scattered. They're not worshiping him. How is he going to rescue them? He chooses one man by the name of Abram. He blessed him to be a blessing, right? Abraham was chosen. He was called by God. And what did he do? He obeyed God. But in the midst of this, God had to refine his character, make him into the person who he could really depend upon. He trusted God for his promises. And then he got involved in the work that God would do to rescue his creation. Moving on. Genesis 14, verse 11. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and their food, and they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions, since he was living in Sodom. A man who had escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre, the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol and Honor. All who were allied with Abram, these were his buddies. Verse 14. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them and they routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women, women and the other people. So Abram went out and rescued his nephew, Lot. Did Lot deserve it? Nope. But he was family. So he said, okay, this is my nephew. He's been taken captive. I got to go after him. So he set out on this rescue mission of his own. Is this incredible? Is this crazy? What is he doing with 318 trained men? This little... This army, this small army. Abraham, we're introduced to him. He's a family man. He's an old man. What is he doing? Now he's like special ops commander leading a rescue mission. Okay, this is crazy. This is a big deal. This is a big transformation that's happening in front of our eyes. And God wants us to take notice of it. Because he wants to do the same thing in your life. In our lives. That's pretty cool. And you know, God, he invites us to be a part of his mission to rescue the world. And that's our final point. God's rescue mission involves us. Amen? It's good. 
God's rescue mission involves you. How do you get to be a part of God's rescue mission? Just by simply saying yes. When God calls you, just like Abraham, you'll take that step out. I don't know where I'm going, what it's going to look like, but I know enough about God. I'm going to say yes. I want to be part of your rescue mission, God. It's a life of faith. And you know, God commissions us. He doesn't leave us alone in this mission. This is so cool. The Great Commission. Okay, Jesus says he's going to commission us to go. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Therefore, what does he want us to do? Verse 19, Go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, all offices, all families of the world. Wherever you are, he wants you to go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Just as God was with Abraham every step of the way, reassuring him, Jesus says, surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. So we are on a mission with Jesus, but it's not our own mission it's a commission. God's commissioned us to go with Him. And we're a team, just like we're here in our church, Kakako Christian Fellowship. This is our team. We got another team up the street, which is a different church, Bible-believing church, and that's their team. But you know what? It's like all the same team. We're one team for God. We're working as church with a capital C, helping others to know Him, rescuing them, and you know, I'm thinking back to that movie clip for the 33. How impossible did that seem to get down there in that limited amount of time and save them? Right? That was a really amazing mission, rescue mission. And we're on the same kind of mission. It seems overwhelming. It seems daunting. We don't know what we're going to do, what we're going to say to our relatives, to our friends to the people in Japan, to the people in Alaska. But you know what? God is with us and he's going to work through us just like he did in the life of Abram. We can go ahead and stand now. We're going to close uh, with uh, just a little bit of prayer. And maybe today you find yourself thinking, oh, I feel like Abram, I feel like I've been called, but I'm not sure where to go. I feel like I want to join this rescue mission, this effort, but I'm not sure what to do. And you know, I think that's a lot of us in church. We're, we're kind of wondering, how do I, what do I do? Just tell me what to do. And God is saying, you know what? First, it starts right here. It starts always like Abram was called, one man. Never despise a day of humble beginnings. God wants to do a good work within you today. Starts right here. And God will give you the motivation. He'll give you the words. He'll give you the opportunity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just say thank you, God, that you are able to save. It's not us, Lord, who do any of the saving. We can't change people. We can't forgive them for their sins. But Jesus, 
You're the only one who can. And God, you came on a rescue mission yourself from heaven. And you say, you know what? I want to have a relationship with them again. The only way I can do it, the impossible mission, I'm going to make it possible by dying for them on the cross. And it's through the cross that we can have a relationship again. And it all started with one man by the name of Abram. That he would be blessed to be a blessing to the whole world, all the nations of the world. And we're recipients of that promise, that rescue mission. So Lord, just thank Jesus in your heart. Just say thank you for dying for me. There's never, if somebody's here who's never received Jesus, maybe you're here today thinking you're like a miner trapped. Miles underground. You don't know how to come up for air. You don't know what to do. And you're saying, yeah, I would like to be forgiven for my sin. I'd like to be saved. And if that's you, you just say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I believe in you. Thank you that you've forgiven me because of your sacrifice for sin on the cross. I receive your forgiveness this morning by faith. Help me to follow you. And maybe you've forgotten God's promises to you. Maybe you've been tempted to not believe that God has a good plan for your life that you feel like maybe you're in the wrong place. Did God forget about me? And God wants to remind you that we walk by faith, not by sight this morning. If that's you, I just want to ask that you put out your hands and I just sense that God wants to fill us with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would believe God's promises for your life, that there wouldn't be Uh, any dark place that you could walk through, any hard time that you're going through, just like Mua, but you would say, I can trust God and bank on His promises because I know He's true. I know He's faithful. If that's you, God is going to restore those promises to you. He's going to help you to remember them and live by them. You would spread it on and pass it on, that faith to somebody else. In Jesus' name, amen.